Welcome to episode three of Vox Pop. Today's episode, we're going to be speaking to somewhat of a Twitter celebrity uh, in the UK, Darren of Plymouth. Darren first uh, hit Twitter fame during uh, the Brexit debate and has since been heroically fighting his corner on uh, the Twitter platform and on Facebook and on social media everywhere. Uh, Darren uh, recently um, hit the newspapers as he decided to put his money where his mouth was and actually stand for office in his local ward. So um, without further ado, let's hear from Darren Oldman. Uh, I think it's probably best, Darren, if you just give us a little bit of a background as to who you are, what you do, and, and how I might have seen you, and we'll, we'll go from there. Um, yes, my name's Darren. Um, I'm a chemist. Uh, I'm not currently... Uh, I'm, I'm an ex-teacher, and uh, I'm also known on social media as Darren of Plymouth. That's sort of my tag name, my brand name. Um, I've got a reasonable following online. And uh, I, I like to consider myself as somebody who's outsp- an outspoken, uh, outspoken critic of the current agenda and narrative that's being forced upon us. Uh, and I've still got a, I've still got a Twitter account somehow, which is still, which surprises <laughs> me good every morning when I get up. I'm like, oh, it's still there. <laughs> How <laughs> have you have you had any uh, short bands or anything yet, or is it? Uh... Uh, I got um, I got. Uh, I got one 24 hours for calling Owen Jones a pansy. Uh, <laughs> that was that was hate hate speech. Uh-huh. And then and then someone sent me a message online, and I, I'll excuse my language again in advance. Uh, someone sent me a message calling this is during the Brexit days, calling Tony Blair uh, a cunt. And I said no, he's a double, and I got one week for that. Even though I was right. replying to the message using the same language, I got one week for that. Uh, and I've, I've been pulled on like some of my stuff on mask wearing and vax, uh, uh, yeah, just mask wearing. I've got like a 24 hour ban, but I've done really, really well. I've surprised the, I've, I've, uh, um, uh, not been cold or been part of any of the Twitter purges so far. Yeah. Well, you just don't know, do you? It could happen any time, but it's, uh, I, I'm, I've only been on Twitter for, um, uh, oh last summer probably haven't been on long at all and um and i managed to get a, a 24 or 48 hour ban almost immediately um, yeah. but uh i appealed it and won it I, I, I suggested that keir starmer should go take a long walk off a short uh pier and uh they said it was um uh, inciting, violence. inciting violence yeah yeah but uh interesting i suppose that's yeah you, you hope that that's that's not people. You hope that that's um, an algorithm, but I yeah, yeah. I mean, when you, when even when you appear, I don't think it actually goes through to a person. It just goes through to AI, right? Uh, and they sort it out. So it's it's really a case of like using Twitter and any social media now is just, can you be smarter than the algorithms and use language and phrases that um, that are suggestive of your idea or your point or your message. Without breaking the uh, algorithm rules, yep. where they automatically give you a ban. I mean, YouTube. I can't. I literally every time I put something on YouTube, I get a strike. You know, uh, strange it. times. I, I I had a quick look at your um, YouTube account, which brings perhaps bring me on to because you you've done what a lot of people haven't done um, in the recent past, and that is to put your money where the mouth is and actually go and and get involved in the democratic process. Uh huh which well done to you for a start um and uh and as an independent candidate i had a quick look and you came 
a close fourth um, behind behind all the main parties. So uh, yeah. Conservatives, Labour, and Green. So well done on that. Uh, it was a very uh, my the ward that I stood in was actually um, had the highest turnout. It was the most hotly contested, and eventually it was the deciding ward for who the overall control of the council could go to. So the only thing I got out of it was a pat on the back by the local Conservative leader, you know, and, and to see a really upset Labour candidate who I really didn't want to win. You know, <laughs> it's a terrible world to be in um, when uh, you, you have a choice of two, 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 two options and you wanted the Conservative to win in the current climate as opposed to the Labour candidate, you know, and that's, that's the situation my city faced. Yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, did you? Were you? Were obviously it's a local election, um, but were your? What were your primary? Uh, I know that there were some local issues that you ran on. Were there? Was it national issues too? Yeah, I mean, I, um, my whole my whole reason for standing, um, I was sort of talked into it, or you know, encouraged by a friend of mine, Danny Bampin, who also stood in the local election. So there was a group of about five or six of us independents. With the sole aim of just trying to get rid of Labour primarily because they were ruining our city. Um, so that was one of my aims, even if that wasn't written. But uh, effectively, I wanted to wake people up uh, with regards to what's going on with this pandemic, with the lockdown restrictions, with the destruction of small businesses, with the child abuse of our schools, in our schools. Um, you know, I, I wanted maybe people to just... The only thing I really wanted was to get my leaflet in a door so that at least, even if it was just one person, would ask a question, you know, a very simple question like, I don't know, why is the average age of deaths uh, for COVID higher than the average age of all deaths? You know, it, yeah. and these were the conversations I was trying to have as I was going around. Um, so that was my primary aim. I was anti-lockdown. I'm also pissed off with the destruction of statues, the defacing of statues, and the narrative behind it that these statues and these symbols of this country and our past are racist. Yeah. Um, and that was another conversation that, um, that was brought up to me on the doorsteps of the people that I spoke to when I was, spoke to when I was out campaigning that the particularly elderly people were pissed off with being called racist. Yeah. And with our labor, with our labor council that we had here, that was a, not just a, a national narrative. That was something that was coming directly out of our local council. Um, and, you know, the rumour on the streets were if they had got in power again, they were going to come for our statues. And we've got like Sir Francis Drake. We've got the issues with uh, Sir John Hawkins Square where the name's been removed and it still hasn't been put up, even though the Conservatives are back in power. That's something that Danny Bampin is fighting in the courts at the moment. Uh, and, and I've got other great monuments uh, that are to our war heroes and to the people who fell in the First and Second World War. These places were all under a threat. Uh, so that was another reason why I stand stood. And ultimately, it was because, you know, I don't want them to, I don't want people to be just voting for red or blue. And yeah. guess what they did? They all voted red or blue. It's frustrating, isn't across it? Across the city. Yeah. And across the and country. Across the country. And, and even when, I mean, um, we share, I suspect we share similar um, politics, uh, but you... When you said, you know, you didn't want Labour in, but the trouble, I mean, you look at the national um, environment, we've had the Tories in for, what, over a decade, haven't we, one way or another, uh, and they haven't rode anything back. There's nothing uh, that they've rode back that anybody else brought in. No, I so, mean, the left, Labour, are far more effective as opposition 
because they just scream and shout and the 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 the, 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 the controlling party the conservatives they just concede a little bit and it's just these small incremental steps that are allowing this woke craziness to to take a real foothold in our in our on our you know in, in the structure of this country and how we and how we live and, yeah. and as a teacher who worked in a further education college uh, up until the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 uh, I, I was ultimately I was effectively cancelled for some of my non woke beliefs and being a an outspoken Brexiteer. Um, I saw the indoctrination. Uh, I, 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 I worked with actual confirmed Marxists. Um, and, you know, some of the things that they were promoting with regards to climate change, to the transgender issue, the anti-UK, anti-British uh, sentiment amongst staff. Uh, all Brexiteers were racist. I was called racist in the office that I worked with. I was called racist in the office that I worked with while I sat with my best friend, who I worked with in the evenings as a teacher, who was black from the Cameroon and was French. <laughs> and they used to call me racist in front of him. And he would have voted for Brexit. <laughs> I don't want to mention his name. But yeah. I, but in the end, I've I was I, I, I seen that uh, firsthand. And it's appalling. It's, and it's quite scary. Um, I, th I think it's getting into it. I mean, it's in everything, isn't it, now? I mean, the, this um, you, you probably know some, something about this as well. But... Um, um uh, grouchy and his um his long march through the institutions that uh was you know sometime way back now but uh that he predicted and i mean i i don't think anybody who's aware of what's happening could could doubt that that has pretty much oh, completed now and we've um we saw the sort of culmination in it, of it with the black lives matter movement and, and yeah. antifa who who most people on the streets in the uk would have never heard of antifa uh, even though there's graffiti just up around the corner with big antifa tags on the walls and stuff, they're in this city, uh, and they have been known to cause some problems. Um, but yeah, we saw the combination of this long march through the institutions with the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, yeah. that's the ultimate product, isn't it? Those people that were on the streets and that they haven't gone away. They're still there. They're still moving. We see our English football players kneeling last night. Um, and we still see the BBC and our other sort of media, mainstream media institutions promoting this movement and the ideology behind it. And ultimately, it's destructive, and um, which is ultimately the aim of the long march through the institutions. You know? yeah. oh, I think the COVID storyline, it's all linked together. It's all intertwined. It's all part of the same fabric. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree at all. I mean, I think it's Maoist, isn't it? I mean, the whole thing about... Um what they're trying to do is rip everything down mm -hmm. and then their new utopia which they always want to build which is never a utopia and always ends up with thousands or millions of people being killed if you're not careful so uh let's god help we don't go there but um I, we, we may be witnessing that now we may be witnessing in, in, in a sort of slow process of what's happening we may be witnessing the uh the thinning of the herd you know we might talk about anything specific there. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, I, it's frightening that we're at that point. I mean, I think I've been aware of what's happening politically for probably five years or so. Um, but to think that we've accelerated to a point where there is a discussion to be had uh, about that sort of thing is pretty frightening. Yeah. Uh, when you look at when you look at everything that's happening. And you look at how everything coincidentally seems to be falling into place. 
it's pretty it's pretty worrying but yeah. uh it's clearly orchestrated yeah uh, particularly uh, and you've only just got to go and have a little look you can go on google you know for all the censorship you can find all pretty much all the answers that you want if you ask the right questions and um, the problem that we have with the people walking around wearing masks at the moment uh it, which for me is just like a walking metaphor is they're not asking questions it's almost like they're unable to ask questions and we're sleepwalking into you know a, a utopian nightmare you know or a yeah. dystopian nightmare would be more yeah. more apt it's very very worrying yeah i i um interestingly i, I something that jumped into my head i wanted to ask you you more than me it's very easy to get into your own uh, especially during lockdown where I'm um, because of what I do I haven't been doing much so I'm stuck in uh, the Midlands in the countryside okay. which is a nice place to be when you're locked up but it's um, you're on your own you know yeah. um, you've been knocking doors and speaking to ordinary people have you been able to speak to them about wokeism and about uh, this sort of thing and, and do they know about it are they aware people some people are aware but a lot of people so if you think of the public sector workers, NHS, education, uh, other healthcare sectors, a a any sort of the charities and the social care sectors. So we're, all of a sudden we're built, and then, then we've got on top of that, the major corporations. So you think, oh no, Sainsbury's and Tesco's and co-op and the banks and the financial sector and all the rest of it. They've all, they've all co-opted and taken on this woke agenda. They've all stuck rainbows in their profile pictures on Twitter, for example, and they yep. all promote equality and diversity, which on the surface sounds great. And this is, so anybody who's working for these organizations, most people buy into it themselves. People are so easy to convince and so easy to brainwash that a lot of people don't even realize there's a problem because they are actually in it. Yeah. They're in yep. that bubble. Um, but a lot of people that I did speak to, and I've made friends as a result of the campaigning I've done, and I'm meeting these people still. still. Um, oh, I, I spoke to about 200 people on the doorsteps when I was walking around. It's not a great deal, but I was on my own. Um, yeah. Almost all of them agree that it's all gone crazy. No, most people did not believe about the COVID narrative. Most people did not want the, the two main parties to be in power. And yet, that's the conversations I had. And when it came to ballot day, they still tick red or blue. I suppose the problem that we've got. I don't know if I really answered your question there, my friend. No, I, well, you, you, um, no, you, I mean, I think you were saying that the people you spoke to that they, they kind of got that it was all madness, but that, yeah, I mean, if they're not going to, I, I was watching, um, Amory Walters yesterday on, um, yeah. on YouTube and she is obviously uh, running in Batley for the Batley by election and she was saying, in an interview there that the problem she's got is that people on the doorstep say but things never change i'm sick of all of you politicians you're all the same and she said well the irony is things will never change until you end up voting for somebody different yeah and and, and of course everybody and i'm guilty of this sometimes as well you look at conservative labor and and ukip perhaps when ukip was at its height yeah and you go and i voted actually for all three of those parties at some point in my life yeah, um, and and um and they look at it and they go, well, at the end of the day, I want to keep them out, which you said at the beginning. And so I'm going to have to vote blue or whatever. I'm going to have to vote red. And that's what happens. And the other thing is all those people that I spoke to, 
when I was walking around and all the people who got my leaflet and it's the same with Amory Waters or any independent candidate, uh, all those people go, yeah, great, independent. We want to get rid of those fucking bastards in London. They don't represent us. My argument, I'm not a politician. I represent you. Um, and I'm sure Amory Waters is saying exactly the same sort of thing. Yep. Those people then don't go out and vote. Yeah. You know, I had a massive turnout in my ward when I when I ran, and it was only forty percent. The other the other wards in the city were barely scraping twenty to thirty percent. The rest of the people didn't turn out to vote. It's yeah. Well, I live in um my ward is a true blue Tory, a rotten borough really. Um, and my MP, um, not only is her surname the same as the ward which gives you an idea of how long her family have been in power here. But also, um, uh, she's got a 30,000 majority in a, in a, in a, a ward of 70,000 people. There you go. So, I mean, you know. It's not all the vote. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to get, uh, she's never, never leaving. So, I don't know what we do about that. I'm, I get very frustrated with all of this. I don't know how there, we get past There is it. no solution, mate. I don't no. think. Yeah. So what, what are you thinking? Have you got any plans to do anything else, uh, activism or...? Um... Um, well, there are some local groups that are now sprouting up. In fact, these are countrywide. You've got things like the Stand in the Park and some of the national protest movements that are also now appearing locally. So I, I'm involved in, I, I, in meeting with these people. I'm not organising anything, but obviously I've got my Twitter account which sort of helps promote these activities. But again, I'm deeply suspicious that particularly like the big marches in London, uh, they don't achieve anything. Hmm. How, how much of this is organised by the establishment themselves as a pressure relief? That's, you know, relieves some pressure in the system. Everyone goes home afterwards, happy. Apart from a million people just walk past down the street. You know, yeah. could have walked in. Nothing's yeah. stopping that. A million people. I, well, like my view on this is that until enough people have got nothing to lose, nothing's going to change. Because, and I mean, I, I'd be the first person to say this. I... You know, you say you could have walked in, uh, but we're seeing what happened in uh, America, you know. Um, and I mean, if anybody who saw that on, on I watched it live on, um, uh, presumably on YouTube. Um, okay, there might have been some violence, but from what I could see, as insurrections go, it was basically a guided tour of the Capitol building. They were lame. <laughs> yeah, they were just wandering around. Oh, look, yeah. that's nice. Look and they're pictures. all... <laughs> I mean, half of them are now locked up in solitary. I mean, you know, um, so I think you've got to be very... The, the state plays hardball, doesn't it? Yeah. So, um, and if you've got something to lose, you've got a family or, you, you know, whatever, it's um, it's a big ass to actually, uh, you know, be that sort of Che Guevara character and, yeah. or, you know, probably a bad uh, example. But and that's, the, and that's the carrot that's dangling in front of everybody, isn't it? You've got your job, your mortgage, your reputation... You know, if you speak out against the COVID narrative, then I was called a COVID denier, you know, and that, uh, people close to me were upset because my face and my name and, and that tag had been used in the local newspaper. Um, I mean, I'm not bothered. I'm like, great, you know, because yeah. um, they're getting information out. And, be, and I've gained about, thanks for life, I've gained about 100 new followers and friends on Facebook locally. So that's great, you know, because they're all interested in what I've got to say. Um but yeah, everyone's got that, that that carrot dangling in front of them, and it's not just it's not keeping them silent. It's making them do things that are against their own better judgment and will. Yeah. yeah. So people, for example, vaccinations. People are having vaccinated vaccinations not because they want to or they believe in it, 
but because they're afraid not to, because there are consequences or believe there are consequences from not having it. You know, and there's some people very, very close to me who I'm losing, who have come under that spell, you know, and it's worrying, isn't it? It's it is. I mean, I've got some uh, very close, I, I mean, a lot of friends I haven't seen much of really, or spoken to much over the, over the lockdown. Um, but, um, there are one or two that I you know, speak to quite regularly and there's one in particular, and I consider her a very good friend. Um, she's had those jabs. She felt terrible after both. She's still, you know, youngish she's in her thirties. Um, she's had both jabs. Um, she said she felt awful after both. She didn't want to have the second, but she's she's quite wealthy and she does a lot of girls on holiday a lot. And she said, uh, well, I just didn't miss my holidays. And I mean, I didn't say anything to her. I thought, well, it's your life. You can do what you like. But I just uh -huh. can't believe people yeah. are taking such a risk with their health yeah. just to go on holiday and the evidence or to is, keep your job. And the evidence that is there now to say... Yeah. There is a genuine risk. You are taking. You're now taking a chance with these vaccines, uh, and all that information is being censored. You know? Have you seen Dr. Malone's interview on Darwin's yeah. podcast? Yeah, yeah. yeah I've that, even downloaded a copy for myself in case it gets. Uh, in, in case yeah. it gets. Um, it's only the 15 minute. I've got a 15 minute clip. It's the, it's the work. All you need. It has everything yes. in there from censorship to the self censorship of people to the fact that the people just go into a gate like a like a, a trance when you speak to them about any of these issues. If you try to show them some evidence to back up what you're saying, nothing there. Yeah, And that's because people are, have literally been put under as well. Uh, I, I, I think people have, you know, uh, it's almost like they've been to Robert, uh, uh, to, to one of McKenna's show and he's yeah. got them on stage and they've got, he's gone, look into my eyes, look into my eyes. Right, these are the facts and figures. You won't believe anything else, no matter what you're told. And then they've gone away. It's literally like that's what's happened. And I blame the TV, I blame the radio and the propaganda. It's been that good. You can almost say there's something in the signal that's affected people's minds, you know, without being sound, trying to sound crazy. Because um, there's no right. other explanation for it. I find it, I find, I haven't watched TV. I, I watch Netflix and I, I watch YouTube. And so I, I watch, I get entertainment from it, but I haven't watched television for over six years now. Okay. And, um, and I think I feel myself detaching from, um, I mean, there's still a lot of people that are on the same wavelength, but I think very much, that wasn't a pun, by the way, but there's, um, basically there are people, I, I, I'm of the same view. I think that people that are watching the TV, that are absorbing it, I think of my, I've got my old mum is still alive. Um, she's nearly 80. Um, she's of a generation of and of an age that, she trusts the government entirely. Of course. She trusts the BBC. The BBC are, you know, a bastion yeah. of, of, of truth. Yeah. Um, and she's um, sort of right of centre or centrist or whatever in her politics generally. But, um, and she sees all the madness going on and she goes, oh, I don't believe that. I don't have to. Why is that happening? Why is this happening? But she won't allow herself to put it all together. Yeah. You know, um, and... She, any time I try and have a discussion with her, I have to stop because she just gets upset because it's she's 
She said, why? Oh, you're, because this is the other thing. She says, oh, you're being um, radicalized. Yeah, you're a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah, and I go, oh, God, Mom, look, it's there that, you know, the president of so-and-so said this. It's there's a video. Well, they could have made that up. Yeah, exactly what I had. How do you know that's real? How do you know I was talking to someone about Fauci's emails? So, you know, yeah. I've got everyone's, you know, if they're available for you to just to download. I'm like, I've got all 3,000 of Fauci's emails. No, I haven't read them all. I've scanned through them just to confirm the things that I'm being told that are in there are in there. And uh, how do you know? How do you know? Oh, well, the mainstream media is also reported them. Yeah, but you said the mainstream media are liars. And I'm like, yeah. just can't win in any. <laughs> People just no. want to rationalise everything, and they just won't look at the evidence. And I met some people like that campaigning who melted down when I said, "Hey, you do realise there's no pandemic at the moment? At the moment, you know, try to be careful." Yeah, I mean, the first person I spoke to when I went out literally had a meltdown on the doorstep because I said that. Yeah. And even though you're trying to show them evidence, won't look at it. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I when it first started, the first two weeks and the only two people that i saw that were speaking up about civil liberties were uh, peter hitchens yeah. and um uh, brendan o'neill and yeah. they they both seem very uh, and i actually to my everlasting shame i'm not on facebook anymore but when i was on facebook yeah. i replied to him and i said look uh, i don't know whether he ever read it of course because you get you know he gets hundreds of replies but so i'm with with you on virtually everything um agree with you on so much but I really think you're overdoing it a bit here. You know, um, if this is as dangerous as they say, what's a couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, you know, and then probably within 10 days of the lockdown, when all of us, I noticed the sort of the propaganda leaking into social media. And I thought, this isn't going to be three weeks. This is going to be, they were right. Yeah. And they were so right. Hitchens and, and Brendan yeah. O'Neill. Yeah. But even Hitchens has gone and said, oh, I want my holidays. Yeah, roll the sleeve up. I think I'm, I I got retweeted by him the other day. You know when he has wants to make a point, he's all sort of grab some sap that's made a comment and yeah, yeah, retweet yeah. him out. You're the yeah, you're the man. you know the 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 lamb of the slaughter. You know, yeah, you got um, that. I got that. Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> fame at last. And uh, I mean, I generally have support him on most things, but he he pinged this thing out. And I, what I tried to I, I replied, but he didn't he he didn't uh, feature that one, which was basically. Look, you can have the, if you want to have the vaccine, it's your life, you can have the vaccine. But if you're going to be such an exponent or proponent of um, of what this is all about and that it's a loss of our liberties and all the rest of it, then what, what pissed me off uh, was that he then basically declared surrender yeah. on behalf of everybody else. Yeah. So, well, it's all over, it's done, so I'm going to have it anyway because yeah. I want to go on. We can't win, may as well just have it. Well, I didn't say you could declare surrender. You know, you, it, a, that's like Winston Churchill's turning around and saying, well, you know, I'm I, okay, we've lost. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he, you know, he can do what he likes and he's done an awful lot more than I've ever done. But I mean, I, I just, I was pretty disappointed with that. Are, are uh, figures like Peter Hitchens or organisations like Talk Radio and the new GB News that's been launched with Andrew Neil, uh, are these... Are these people, are they controlled opposition? Yeah, and that has to be seriously considered, you know, because if you watch talk radio, uh, they have all sorts of guests on, people who are really opposed to the lockdown and know what's going on. But the minute, say, they get anywhere near the PCR testing, yeah. an advert comes in. Hmm. Or uh, Mike G interrupts uh, Tony Buxton 
in a 12-minute segment, twice she tried to talk about PCR tests and the false positives, and twice she got interrupted or cut off. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think she ever actually got to have that that conversation. You know? Now, is that because Ofcom, Ofcom are, are regulating them? Or is it because they're just trying to keep all the people who are buying into the BBC or the uh, Sky News or Channel 4, they, they want them to go then go to the talk radio or GB News or to be listening to everywhere that Pitcher Hitchens is saying on Twitter so that everybody's they know where everybody is. Yeah. I, I, I do fear that that's just like the protests, you know, the marches through London. Same thing, it's sort of controlled opposition. It allows people to think. Oh, Julia's Julia's nearly cracked it. She's nearly cracked the case. She's nearly sold it. She's going to release it, and it's all going to be over. Apart from she never ever steps over the line, ever. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Ofcom they are clearly bound by Ofcom. But I agree. And also, I mean, they take the same um, shilling from the government in terms of advertising because they're a business. So, in between every single. until recently where they've changed the way they deal with adverts, you know, you were hearing adverts that were exactly the opposite to what they'd just been saying. It was all the government adverts, you know. Um, I, I suppose you can't blame them for that because they need to get the money from somewhere. But, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think some of the presenters probably are of a like mind. I think that um, Mark Dolan is probably yeah really pissed off with everything. Yeah, and Dan Wheaton yeah. before he moved. Yes, yeah. Dan Wooden, and uh, and and to some extent Mike Graham, although he does tend to flip flop a bit. But I mean, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I don't know about Julia Hartley Brewer. I don't. She, she talks it great. She does a great talk. She, you know, she's putting the tweets out, but you know, she's still pushing the vaccine every five minutes. Well, I again, it's very easy to be. Yeah, and, and and it's critical. It's easy to be critical of these people when you know I'm just sitting at home and what am I doing? But I mean, um, I do find that Julia, in particular, on everything that I've said, I've probably listened to her for a couple of years or so uh, since the lockdown started, really, I suppose, and I was obviously aware of her before, and she's always seems to be six months behind on everything, uh, not yeah. everything, but yeah. on lots of stuff. Yeah. The lockdown being a case in point, you know, she was all for it. Okay. I was for like 10 days and it seemed pretty obvious to me what was happening yeah. and she was still for it for quite a way in and then all of a sudden she's against it. and I always I know it's a bit of a um, um, cliche but and she gets criticized for it a lot but I think it's fair criticism a lot of this is because she just wants to go on holiday yeah yeah, yeah. and um, she's yeah. And it's true it's very true. She loves to post her holiday pics online, doesn't she? When yeah. Lockdown over Christmas. No, exactly. Yeah, in the Caribbean, sitting in the Caribbean. I've, you know, fair play if you could do it. But I, yes, it was. I don't know. Anyway, it's uh, it's easy, to, I suppose, to criticise. What what I do think is the good thing about talk radio and GMTV, which I haven't watched. Um, I've watched the odd YouTube. GBTV. Clip, GBTV. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Not, um, not GMTV, which is no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's. I mean, I like Neil Oliver think he's a decent man mm-hmm. um and there are one or two on there I, i'm uh, that i that i have some time for and they don't all have to i mean they, I, I don't suppose they have to you know, they don't have to uh, align with me on everything but um they'll be glad to hear but um yes i mean things like uh, andrew neil with the um with the january events in america I think with the with the election and what have you in America, there was enough there for anybody to go. Well, this looks a bit dodgy. 
and he wouldn't even touch it. And that for me was my, I thought, yeah. well, okay. Because yeah, yeah. Um, I've had a lot of respect for Andrew Neil. I think he's a very good um, and effective journalist, mm -hmm. um, very well researched, uh, really good interviewer. Yeah. But when he wouldn't even touch it, uh, I just thought, right, okay, well, let's change oh, my view. Douglas Murray is the same. Yeah. 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 You think, come on, Douglas, you're a smart guy. Yeah. I say, Andrew Neil, come on. You know, I mean, I, I remember the election night for, for the American election and. I was in bed with the girlfriend and, and and I watched some of the numbers come through and it was literally like, oh look, they, they've just added 100,000 votes for one <laughs> candidate. Like it was there live on the TV yeah. screen. And they closed the, um, closed the counting stations and then yeah. everyone goes home, then they open them again. <laughs> just like, Lock the windows off, the window, yeah. anyone near it. I mean, it's so, so blatant. And, uh, and it's with every, same with everything that's going on now with with COVID in this country. It's so obvious, you can't miss it. It's like, there has to be, people are, must have been blinded by the propaganda, literally blinded, that they just cannot see it, you know? And, uh, well, I, I wonder whether a lot of people and I, I totally get this too, because I, I wish I wasn't um, where I am really. And a lot of the time, you, I talk to people that that I don't talk through, that I know through sort of um, Twitter or whatever. And um, there's only so much I'd say to them, because otherwise they just think I was a lunatic, and um, you just think, well, it's not worth it, you know. It's just. Uh, yeah. um, but then I, 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 and I, I hope I'm prepared to look at both sides of things, but. As you say, there's so much evidence. There's so much happening. Yeah, it's, if you're prepared to look for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, you don't even have to. And once you see it, once you start seeing, you know, and, it, and I'm not just talking about COVID or the Trump election or Brexit. You know, everyone's yeah. racist, by the way. Uh, uh, but just the over the woke narrative, it's in everything. And once you see it in the symbols and the language that's used and all the rest of it, you can't unsee it. You know, yeah. and. Uh, and like you said, some, uh, I, I don't know if you was alluding to it, but sometimes I'd rather be ignorant. Yeah. I, I, I would rather be walking around with a mask on and just be quite happy with worrying about what's on TV later and what's for tea and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it, and it is. I mean, it, it's a blue pill, red pill thing, isn't it? It's exactly that. Yeah. yeah you make a decision and then, yeah, you can't really go back, which is, yeah. yes. So, oh, well, well, I don't know that we've got any way forward out of that, but I, I just... Um, what, what's your view on, on passports, vaccine passports? Yeah, I, I mean, I, the whole reason there was a pandemic, is, yeah. well, not the whole reason, one of the major threads of their plan uh, out of this pandemic, because I believe it's all planned, uh, every aspect of it has been in planning for a very long time, uh, is vaccine passports. You know, that's the purpose of the vaccination. People think, talk about depopulation, and they're going to kill everybody. I'm sure there's going to be some casualties of war from the vaccination programme. We're seeing it. But I think the main aim is, you know, over the next few years is to get everyone on these passports. And then your freedom comes at the end of the needle every year or every three months, whatever they decide. And if you want some, I like custard cream donuts. If I want some of those donuts, I'm going to have to scan into the Sainsbury's to go and get them. Um, and I find that well, it's communism, isn't it? Mm. Well, it's 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 really efficient communism. It's uh, yeah, it's it's what I don't understand. It why do people not? I, you get this a lot with the two arguments I get on Twitter when I can be bothered to have the argument are uh, with the, with the jab are um, why don't you just 
get it done. It doesn't hurt. That's the first one, which I just think, well, look, I'm not scared of a needle. I've had loads of uh, injections yeah. in the past. So that's the first one. And um, I also don't get, they say, well, what's the matter with the passport? I have a yellow fever passport. Well, I have a yellow, a yellow fever ticket. I've got a yellow fever ticket because I've been to Brazil and what have you in the past. Mm -hmm. But that does, I I don't have my, my banking, my banking, my social credit, my ability to leave the house or mm -hmm. travel. Or, uh, or yeah, uh, or yeah, or, or have a job, yeah. or or any of that is yeah. not governed by the switch, uh, flick of a switch on yeah. my iPhone. Yeah, I mean it's not like we haven't seen this in China. This was all over the TV in China two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I've ago. seen, I've looked into their social credit system, and and, and that's the plan. China, the model China is the model for the rest of the world. It's some sort of techno communist capitalist hybrid system that they want to put in place um i mean if you smoke you lose you know you've only got to buy tobacco that loses you social credit points you know, yeah. if you know somebody who's got a low social credit score and you interact and you're interacting with them through this electronic internet whatever it might be that affects your social credit score and everything i mean i've seen that I'm, I'm sure i've seen it where um your face activates entrance into your own home yeah and it's controlled by this overall social credit system that they've got in place we don't want that here we, we won't be free people yeah i mean it's getting there anyway and i mean we've got um hive in, you know i mean i'm trying at the moment to avoid having any smart stuff in my house not because i think the government's trying to listen to me or anything because i'd be very bored if they were but um um because the next thing with the green thing is going to be uh, they've they've already done. I don't know where it was. It was in the UK somewhere. They've done a test where they had two thousand households that were linked into thermostats, uh, smart yeah. thermostats, and they turned up the thermostat by two degrees on all the homes to see could they do it, would people notice, and all the rest of it. And they they can do it. Well, I think the reason they turned up the thermostat is because what they're really going to do is turn down the thermostat. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, and gas boilers, how how are people, I don't think people can believe it's going to happen. Because otherwise, your average Joe who's got to put a three grand or a five grand replacement for his gas boiler, where's that money coming from? Um, you know, I just don't, and it doesn't even work anyway. These heat sink pumps, ground sink pumps, they only generate about 17 degrees um, centigrade ambient temperature. Right, okay. Uh, as I, I'm told, I'm no expert. Yeah, I mean, I haven't so, looked into that all the time. Yeah, you know, some of the heat systems that they're on about bringing. Yeah, I'm going to talk about climate lockdowns. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Lockdowns is a precedent now, and we need to get used to them because, you know, we've got, these are the permanent future of our lives, the immediate future. Well, uh, I do wonder when anyone is going to actually wake up to that. I, I Because over I mean, half I mean, of the people aren't objecting to lockdowns uh, at the moment, as far as I can see. Yeah, well, no one's. It's, I mean, it's not a lockdown. It's a. It's, it's a. It's an economic shutdown. Yes. And it's going to be a long term. You know, this is a sort of a long. It's going to be a process of continually, slowly just chipping away. You know, at, at our economy. I'm, I'm surprised we've been robust, robust enough to survive. You know, 15, 16 months. Climate change is a con. You know? yeah. I'm a chemist. I know climate, I know two doctors in climate change, doctors, PhDs, and they will tell you point blank from you know to your face that it's a lie 
He can't say anything. In fact, one's out of the field now. He's got out of it completely because he said it was um, um, heresy to oppose any aspect of what they're what you hear in the media. If you oppose any of it, that is effectively you'll be excommunicated from the from the religion. Um, you know, and, and this guy's a Russian Turkish genius. You know, he's all off off the planet in terms of his of this guy's intellect, as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's on the spectrum as well. So he's one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he got his PhD and uh, uh, within months left because he said the science is bogus. Yeah, I could, well, that's my, I don't know enough about <laughs> it other than to know that it just seems too convenient that it's all filling into the same yeah. uh, playbook. Yeah. And I've been, and, I've, sorry, go on. No, 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 I was just going to, I've, I've been, of the view that climate change is a load of crap for a long time. I've followed James Dellingpole um, yeah. and his writings for quite a while. Yeah. But um, it's interesting how it seems to be the same people. I, th- I think it must be because it overlaps. It's always the same people. Well, I, I think climate change is actually the real driver for what's going on right now with the COVID mm. stuff. You know, Because it's funny how the COVID uh, objectives or how we've how we've been made behave and sort of the overall sort of climate surrounding COVID is the same as climate change. Extinction rebellions objectives are the same as Black Lives Matter. You know? And you go, oh yeah, well they're Marxists. It's like, yeah, that's sort of that that cuts across all of it. And if you listen to people like Bill Gates uh, and some of the other, you know, the you hear like stuff that comes out of the Rothschilds and the Rockefeller uh, Foundation and that climate change get rid of people yeah we need to stop destroying the planet yeah we want to make a beautiful place for everybody uh but we need to get rid of the people and you've heard this conversation and they've done it to like in ted talks bill gates has done it in ted talks you know he's talked about which number can we reduce and he's laughing about population and uh, so i think climate change is you know this like you said right at the beginning of our conversation is some sort of utopian ideal where the very powerful and rich and wealthy want to build a power, actual power, you know, paradise, and we'll all be in the cities. Yeah, yeah. It's I, well, I right. What actually um, changed my mind on the whole lockdown thing I was about ten days in. Um, they the government announced I was signed up to government emails. You know, the, they do a daily email. I was yeah. signed up to that, and. Um, because I don't watch the TV, so I thought I'd get it from the horse's mouth. And um, there was an announcement 10 days in about what they were doing for to, to deal with all of these problems with COVID. And they said they're going to spend £2 billion on cycle lanes. And I just thought, what? Well, you want to build cycle lanes in 10 days into the first major pandemic we've had in 100 years. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Um, and that's really when I realised what was going on. I um, I mean, I started following it when it first appeared in China, and I believed it. And I was one of the Twitter guys, hey, look, look, and I was getting massive numbers on my Twitter account, you know, because I checked, I followed my analytics. And at the time, I was quite interested in getting followers, you know, playing the Twitter computer game, if you want. Yeah. But I noticed that in my analytics, you know, my figures were going through the roof. And I thought, oh, this is great. At first, I thought, this is great. I'm going to tweet more about this coronavirus. <laughs> you know, and it does look like there's a problem in China and Italy at the time. when it And um, yeah, I realized very, like you did, once we went into a lockdown, the numbers that we were generating in terms of cases and deaths, they looked artificial because I, could, I was recording them and putting them out as graphs and stuff. You know, I was one of the stats guys at yeah. first. And I clearly saw 
that the trends and the gradients that the graph were producing that to me as a scientist looked like these, these were artificially generated numbers. So that's when I started to clock on. And then I saw that the government announced just before the lockdown that coronavirus wasn't a, a consequential infectious disease. Yeah. In fact, it was placed as the lowest category of illnesses out there. But we've been locked down for six months. Well, exactly, exactly. And this is the problem. The government aren't hiding any of this. You can go to their actual oh. ONS stuff and you can see it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I saw somebody had done a Freedom of Information request for Birmingham City Council the other day. It was on Twitter. Yeah. And I read the letter from Birmingham City Council. It showed the uh, number of burials and deaths year on year for the That's last six years. Even and yeah. and uh, um, it's no more than, it's, it's, in fact, it's less than the average of the last five years. So where are all the dead bodies? I mean, I know people are dying and they're saying it's COVID and perhaps it is COVID, perhaps COVID, well, COVID may exist. It may be killing some people that are very frail, but also nobody died of flu. Yeah. So, well, why did nobody suddenly die of flu? And they go, well, it's because we're all wearing masks and we're locked out. Well, then why are people dying of COVID then? Oh, because COVID is more infectious. <laughs> and, it, and, it just, like, and this is the, these are the conversations that you have, people, and I've had that conversation with a friend who I walked past in the park yeah. And he's like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, where's all the flu gone? Oh, it's because everyone's wearing masks. Like, you just said, you can't. And it's like, how can you actually say that and keep a straight face? Yeah. But, but again, that's the programming. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't like using it. That sounds crazy, but it, it is. It's the programming. People's minds have been hijacked. Yeah. It is. I mean, I and I listen to myself saying it. I think, oh, am I really saying that COVID doesn't exist? Well, I wouldn't go that far, but probably largely I wouldn't go that far because I don't want to be on the wrong side of that line, you know, yeah, sort of yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah, yeah. But I mean, even if it, as far as I know, and I'm, I, I would be corrected on this, I don't think they've actually isolated the, the wild virus, have they? I keep, I keep seeing that. And I read an article this morning that showed the picture on which they based their, oh, we've isolated it. Because viruses are terribly, I mean, uh, the, the size of a virus is, I don't think, even if people who know how small a virus is, I don't think they quite realize exactly how small a virus is. I mean, it's tiny. Yeah. Mm. I mean, a mask, a pore in a mask, for example, if the, if me and you were the size of a virus passing through a pore in a mask, we wouldn't be able to see the sides of the hole yeah. that we're traveling through. It would be so far away. You know, I mean, and, um, I was, yeah, I, I don't know. I keep seeing if whether the virus has been isolated. I don't know. I don't know. I've rarely even seen a picture of an actual virus. They're always uh, artistic impressions. And yeah. The evidence, yeah. And, I, and I know that as a chemist, you know, they're only a thousand atoms across, you know, and an atom is, is, too, is not possible for me to explain to you how small an atom is, but, you know, trust me, it's incredibly small, almost non-existent, well, it's so small. So, I mean, I think... I think with with me now, it's come to the point of the, st the statistics and everything don't really mean anything to me anymore. I think it's pretty obvious what's actually um, happening, and I'm open to. Well, I just I just think it seems so obvious. I don't really know how I can how I could backtrack from it to be honest. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you can never unsee it, Mark. Never. No, no, exactly, exactly. Well, um, Darren, that's been brilliant. I, I'm really glad we got to talk. Thank you I, for. I really uh, the chat. I did. Thank you for taking the uh, the the chance and uh, and uh, talking to me. Are there any? Um, do you have a, a, a subscribe star account or a Patreon account or anything like that? Um, yeah, but I mean, these aren't things that I no, I don't have a Patreon account. Uh, I'm really solely just a Twitter guy. 
I put my, my Facebook account is there if people want to come. Any of my social media accounts are Darren, uh, at Darren Plymouth, Darren Plymouth. Um, um, so, yeah, f- come find me on Twitter if anyone's listening to this. Um, as for a Patreon account, no. I've not, I've not ventured that far. Okay, okay. And in terms of future, we talked briefly about you were looking at uh, uh, um, Stand in the Park. Yeah, I don't know so much I'll... about that. Pardon? I don't know much about that, but oh, right. um... so uh, people across the country, you know, in Plymouth, there's probably there's one, the one that I go to, but there may be others where people who are like-minded consider themselves awake uh, are aware that there are massive issues and holes with the store, COVID story uh, that we're having our freedoms taken away. They're all they're, they're all meeting up together uh, in local parks and stuffing it up and down the country. You can find these groups on Facebook, probably on Twitter. They like to use Telegram um and it just they just people just meet and socialize it's not uh, like a, a a a vocal protest or you know people with banners or anything i just go up there and, and have a cigarette while i'm out and stand in the park in the sunshine and talk to people who think the same way as me right so, uh, uh so i'm these protests like locally it's getting bigger it started with two or three people a couple, a couple of months ago now there's 30 different people every week Different, right. you know. So, uh, and they have bigger protests here uh, on the whole. Uh, about three or four hundred people turned up to the last one. So, you know, these things are growing. There are also groups as well. You know, like evening groups where people are going. You know, it's almost it's almost like East Germany. You know, uh, or the French Resistance. You know, that these things are happening now up and down the country. So, it's funny uh, how these things do how people realize they've got to organize and not organize yeah. necessarily to have some great huge um event but just to like minds to uh yeah. build a, a communication and a network um, that, the networks are growing uh yeah. and appearing and i'm i'm constantly looking to meet new people that's why i'm grateful to the to the local newspaper for calling me a COVID denier for releasing the same information as you just talked about apart from it was the plymouth stats and guess what they were exactly the same Right. There was 180 more deaths this year than last year, but they were a lot less than the year previous to that. And they completely miss, miss you know, um, um, made me look like some sort of idiot in the paper, but but they reported the stats, yeah. which is great. Yeah, um, yeah there's, lots, there's, there's lots of, you know, I'm grateful to Harold for giving me the networking opportunity for people to contact me. And, you know, I'm open. If anyone wants to contact me, then great, please do. Uh, just like you did, mate. Okay, well, at at, um, at Darren of Plymouth on uh, on Twitter and also same on uh, Facebook, you said. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, Darren Plymouth is my name. I'm on other social media networks, you know, Parlor, you name it, it's Darren Plymouth. So okay, okay. Yeah. Well, thanks again for uh, taking the time to speak to a total stranger. It's only the third podcast. This is my small thing. I'm just trying to yeah. get people to talk and, yeah, and hopefully change their minds. Sorry, getting many listens or views. Um, I it, I think it's too early. I'm getting like fifty or sixty or something. Even if you're not getting a massive amount of engagement, it's still nice to have the conversations, isn't it? And, it and is. Speak to different people from around the country on different subjects, you know, or about what's happening currently, you know. So. Yeah. And, and it's amazing how many people, once you start talking, as you say, that actually are awake to it. But it's just obviously the mainstream watching the TV, listening to the radio. I'm just not there yet. But uh, no. anyway, hopefully that will change. But uh, anyway, thanks again for your time, uh, no Darren. 
good to talk to you and um, hopefully we'll speak again soon yeah Cheers.